who has enjoyed our spiritual war series? Spiritual war, it's something that we need to hear. And I know when I hear about spiritual war, the first thing that comes to mind is Satan, right? But here's the reality. As, as we've talked about this, what have we talked about in our first week? We talked about the mind, right? We talked about how our mind is under attack and how we need to gain control of it. Last week, we talked about the heart. And we talked about how easy our heart can sway from one direction or another and how to protect it. And this week, what we're going to talk about is the battleground over truth. Who, know, who knows that living in 2022, truth is kind of a gray area, okay? And it is truly a battleground, and the world is seething over what is truth and what is not. And oftentimes, it's teaching that truth is relative. Who knows what I'm saying, Okay, so they're teaching that truth is relative, which is not real. And so I believe that for us as believers, truth is a spiritual matter because Satan is the author of confusion, we learn in 1 Corinthians 14.33. And so what he is doing is he is wanting to confuse the world. He is wanting to confuse God's people, his believers, to let them have a, have a difficult time understanding what the truth is and what is not the truth. I want to reaffirm in you the verse that we've read every session of this series. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand. Everyone say stand. Firm against all strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Have you ever heard of the game, Two Truths and a Lie? Ever? If you're, if you're ever in a group, and this is particularly fun to play if you are in a group that you might not be familiar with everyone in the group, right? It's a good way to play, get to know you a little bit. And I was with a group of guys. We were kayaking down a river, and this group didn't really know me all that well. And they said, hey, let's play two truths and a lie. I said, all right, let's do it. And they got around to each guy, and some guys, they were pretty creative with it. Other guys weren't. And they got to me, and I said, all right, first one. I was welcomed into a village of indigenous people in Papua New Guinea. I ate with them, slept in their hut. That's the first one. Number two, I went to a Chicago Cubs game, and I actually got to sit next to Bill Murray at a Chicago Cubs game because he's a, he's a Cubs fan. And then I said, number three, for a whole year in Bible college, I was one of the most popular people, and no one knew my name, my real name. And they're sitting there looking around, they're discussing, and next thing you know, everyone takes a guess, and I stumped everybody. And I learned that if you're really good at that game, you would tell two truths that seem so outlandish, they're probably not real, and you would tell one lie that's somewhat believable. But here's the thing that I've learned as I've walked through this life. A believable lie always has some elements of truth to it, right? Don't you think Satan knows that? 
Don't you think he knows that a believable lie has elements of truth? And Jesus knows that, and he knows that you need to be secure in the truth. So it is important to know to look to the right places to gain the truth. Amen? Let's turn to our main scripture today. It's John chapter 17, verses 1 through 19. Who's excited to get in God's word? Could have been better. Could have been worse. You're right. But I'm in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 19. You can read out of your electronic Bible. We're going to have it up on the screen. Or I love, I love a hard copy Bible. And the reason that I love a hard copy Bible is because I like to write in it. I like to highlight in it. Use whatever you need to use. Let's dive into the word of God. John 17, starting at verse 1. It says, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought you, or I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Who loves this prayer? A lot of truth here. Jesus turns and says, I've revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I predict, protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, the, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot contained in this word today. And God, it boils down to one thing. Lord, you sent your son for us so that we might glorify him and you are glorified through his life and God in turn we bring you glory by praising your son and Lord that if we just embrace this truth today 
this truth of this gift you have given us. God, I know you've given us a message to speak to a world that is confused. And so, Lord, I pray that this this process of truth that you have taken us through or are taking us through with your son, Lord, that we recognize what you are doing in our lives and the mission that is before us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So, as I see it, there is a process to God's truth developing, manifesting in your life. And anyone who comes into contact or comes into word or understanding of hearing the name of Jesus, the first thing that you need to do is you need to accept the truth. There needs to be an acceptance of that truth. And what I have learned as I have served God is God has revealed this truth to the world. And the only thing that separates those who have accepted it and those who have not are those whose eyes have been opened, whose ears have been opened, and whose hearts have been opened. And here's the thing, and I I want you to write this down. I don't have it up on the screen this morning, but truth doesn't come into your life by force. It doesn't force you to choose it. You guys hearing me? In fact, it is revealed to you. It opens up your eyes and it gives you understanding. Now there are many ways that we are led into truth. And one of the first ways that you and I are led into truth is by others. Who heard about the truth of Jesus Christ through someone else? Raise your hand. Okay, so there's hands going up all over the place. And I want you, there, there, there is a Bible scripture that teaches us on how we should interact or deal with someone else in discussing that truth. So listen to first, or 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. It says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. You guys hearing this? Listen carefully. But must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach. Wait, who's supposed to be able to teach? A servant of the Lord, right? Okay, listen to this. And be patient with difficult people. Who's feeling challenged this morning? Woo! Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts. Does it say perhaps you will change people's hearts? Perhaps God will change people's hearts. And they will learn the truth. They will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Who feels challenged by that scripture this morning? Say amen. I want you to catch this nugget. People are going to learn the truth first by those who know it. But how the truth is delivered must reflect the spirit of God and his intent in truth. Okay? And that's the second way. It's revealed to them by the spirit. The truth of God is revealed, secondly, by the spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is gentle in his delivering of the truth. Listen to John 16, 13 through 14. I know there's a lot of teaching here today, but I think this is important and valuable. Amen? Amen. 
Stay with me. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So here's what I believe about the spirit of God. God's spirit will begin to work on you long before you crack open a Bible. God's spirit will begin to work on you long before you step foot in a church, long before someone else speaks to you about the truth. And what God does is he he prepares our heart to receive what he has for us. Think Think about it this way. Do you know that he prepared the world to receive Jesus when he came to the earth? He was preparing the world long, thousands of years before Jesus came. There was a man named Simeon. And Simeon, he was, he, 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 was, he was a man that was of the Spirit of God, and he faithfully served in the temple. And God revealed to him, and he was an old man when God revealed this, God revealed to him that he would see the Messiah before he died. Then one day, he's there in the temple, and he sees these parents there with this, this young child, and they have brought two doves as an offering, as a peace offering. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he recognized that the Messiah was right before him. And what I know is, God's Spirit works in our hearts long before someone speaks or reveals complete truth to us. And so, when that comes to full fruition, you see this confirmation of what God has already been speaking to you. And then this is probably the most important place that God's truth is revealed. It's revealed in his word. Think about the Bible or God's written word this way. God's written word is truth. But the physical manifestation of his word is Jesus Christ. So you have God's written word, which we can turn to, which we can read, which we can put in our heart. And then you have the physical manifestation of everything that God was revealed through Jesus Christ. In the beginning of the book of John, it refers to Jesus as the word. Who has ever heard the phrase, you are only as good as your word? So God's word, check this out, God's word makes no mistake God's word has no error. It is a complete revelation of his character. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the physical manifestation of that, and that was God's gift for you and I to accept. God's word proves itself true by the promises that he makes to us and he upholds. Think about that again contained in the Bible, contained through Jesus Christ, was many promises. If you read the Old Testament, there are over 330 promises of the coming of the Messiah, and Jesus Christ fulfilled all those. And so God, when he speaks, when he makes promises, his word is proven true because he upholds his promise. Proverbs 35 says, every word of God proves true. 
He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. So if you want to just plainly accept God's word, or if you choose to say, Pastor, I'm not all in. I don't completely know that I can trust God's word. I've been hurt by a lot of people. There have been a lot of people who have made promises to me who haven't fulfilled them. I want to tell you that is completely fine because if you give a little piece of yourself to God and if you search for his promises and seek out on whether or not he's going to fulfill them, what you are going to find is he fulfills them every time. He works on the heart of the skeptic. But at some point, you and I have to choose on whether or not we're going to believe it. I met with someone this week and kind of, kind of reaffirmed a commitment or led them to the Lord and something that I wanted to be sure of they understood that this isn't one of those get out of hell free card things. Hey, if I pray this prayer, if I, if I rub this Bible or whatever I have to do, then all of a sudden I'm going to find myself with eternal security. That's not it. I said, you know what? You have to believe. Romans 10, 9, it's so clear that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I said, so it's not about words that you're going to repeat from my mouth that all of a sudden you repeat and all of a sudden this this spell is made complete. I said, that's not it. It's about belief. Do you truly believe it in your heart? And so accepting the truth might be hard for you because you have been let down by many people or you've been told many lies. Or how many were previously convinced something was truth and now you can't accept anything standing contrary to that truth you learned. But what we find with God is that he chooses to be gentle in you accepting his truth. He knows where you're at because he knows that his truth stands the test of time. His truth trumps everything else. So instead of you being forced to subject to that truth, God wants you and I to willfully choose it. Listen to Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 16. It says, now listen. Everyone say, now listen. listen. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and and the land you are about to enter and occupy. I know you hear that, and the skeptic says, well, God, can I still choose and still have all the reward? He says, no, no, it's, it's, it's really very black and white. You either choose to serve me and you choose to be obedient to me or don't. But know that your choice not to has ramifications, right? Who knows that when your children disobey you, their, their choice has a ramification, You and I, our choices have consequences, but God does not want indentured servitude out of us. He is looking for a willful obedience. Who can say amen to that? We are not slaves to God. 
We give our service to him because he so graciously gave freedom for us. So let's say you and I have this awakening revealed in our lives. We choose to adhere to the truth. We accept it, then we apply it once we choose to believe. But the very moment you choose to accept God's word as truth, what is going to happen is you make yourself an enemy of Satan and the world. So it becomes very important that you must be prepared for an onslaught that you are going to face. And that's, that's the second thing as God walks us through this process of truth is that we need to be guarded or protected in the truth. And you and I need to be prepared to stand against what's contrary to truth. First and foremost, we've talked about it. First and foremost, here. And then here. And we have often seen our faith stand contrary to what the world upholds and values. Think about it this way. The church at one time in our nation was looked at as the moral authority. And now the world looks to the moral authority as institutions and teachers, not the church. And so the world will teach you things like our body, our choice. And that, and that stands for all things, right? Not just one particular thing like abortion, which your mind might go to. That whatever we do in life, God teaches us, though, the opposite, that we are not our own. We were bought with a price. That price came at a high cost through his son, Jesus Christ. So it is not about my body, my choice. I have complete right over it. Once I come to know who Jesus Christ is, I am not my own. I want you to think about Satan's original sin because I know people hear that and they don't, they don't like what I just said. But Satan's original sin was pride, Right? And it is the pride of the world that finds itself standing in opposition to God. So if you adhere to the truth, it all of a sudden makes you a torchbearer of God and his truth. And thus it makes you an enemy of the world that no matter what you do, the world is going to hate you for living in that truth. Jesus teaches about this in John chapter 15 verse 18 through 21. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I choose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Oh, who loves that? But Jesus goes on to say, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. And I want you to catch this. When you start living out that truth in your life, it's not you they hate. So, so get this idea of that, you know, I just want everyone to feel my love. I just, I just want everyone to experience the peace that God has given me. And why, why don't they understand? Why can't they relate to it? It's not you they hate. It's not you they're rejecting. They're openly rejecting God. And so I believe that our nation is going to be put in a much more difficult place for Christians. 
And what you are seeing, you are going to see a ramping up of things that stand contrary to the truth. And, and these can speak to just who God says we are, right? The freedom that we have by accepting Christ. And so the, the freedom that we gain by knowing who God is in our life, because they have a misunderstanding of God, because Satan confuses the truth, they look at shackles. They look at what we believe is shackling them. And that's why all of a sudden there's this turn that Christians are immoral, which just dumbfounds me, by the way. But I saw something interesting this week, and I couldn't let go of it. There's a magazine writer that on Thursday, you guys know what Thursday was, right? So we make grand proclamations of what we're thankful for. I know some of you I've seen Helen is regularly updating everything that she's thankful for over the month of November. And so this is a day for us to be thankful. And this magazine writer wrote that for this Thanksgiving, she was thankful for her abortion and proceeded to list 46 celebrities who had abortions who had stated the same thing. And church, what this teaches me is these kind of things is an example of a mockery of what God deems good and what he deems evil. It's a mockery of those things. And so the hatred the world has will come against you, and will you be able to stand? That's something that I want you to ask yourself. Think about it this way. Only one of the 12 disciples was uh, was recorded as not being martyred for their faith. Only one of the 12. So 11 out of 12 were persecuted and died for what they believed. Now these weren't men that, that were taught to bring hate. These were men that were taught to bring love. They were taught to bring the good news as Jesus calls it. And that is a life-giving message. But what they had to do in order that they would not be manipulated from preaching that truth is they had to protect themselves. They had to guard themselves in that truth because if what they believed was truth, they knew that their ultimate reward was nothing that came from this earth. It was guarded in eternal security through Jesus Christ. As long as they didn't give in. The world is always going to take the side of Satan because our natural state, our natural human state, lives in disobedience to God. You guys hearing me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus, speaking about his death, he made this statement in regards to Satan in John 12, 31. He says, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Then the Apostle Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 2, 2, he says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So those who refuse to obey God don't even realize they have the devil at work in here. So you and I, as Jesus instructs in our main text today, need to be kept safe from Satan. And one of the ways we are kept safe is by knowing the truth. Now you hear that, and and when I was a child, 
I used to think that Satan was lurking behind every corner. I used to think that he was after me and there was nothing I could do to stop it. And I just want to say, and I want to be very clear about this, this is no need for you to panic. Everyone understand? This is no need for you to panic because it can be so easy to hear this and start being fearful and picture the same thing with Satan lurking around every corner. It's important for you to remember ultimately one day this is all going to end and Satan is subjected to God. 1 Corinthians 15, 27 says, For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. That includes Satan. James 2, 19, I love this. It says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So if you serve God... And Satan is subject to God. Trust that God will lead and guide you and keep you for his good and intended purpose. But to truly be kept safe from Satan, and check this out, means that you are serving and following Christ. When you are serving and following Christ, that is when your eternal destination is secure. If you're claiming the blood of Jesus Christ over your life, what happens is that you are marked for eternity. Satan can never take that away from you. Aren't you glad for that? Shouldn't we rejoice over that? That if we claim the blood of Jesus Christ over our lives, we are marked for eternity. You should come in here and you should recognize that no weapon formed against you can prosper because you have the blood of Jesus Christ that you've pled over your life. So instead of living in fear, live in preparation and expectancy and know the battle is already won. And our focus then needs to remain, not on Satan, but hiding his truth in our heart as we learned last week. And him being our focus. So as you seek the word, it's going to continually change you. And one of the most important truths in this process that we learn about is that as you accept the truth, as you let it guard you, as you let it protect you, that you are made holy by it. You are made holy by the truth. And Jesus touches on something, the root word that he uses here in the Greek in John chapter chapter 17, it translates as the word sanctification. Have you guys ever heard that before? Some might hear that and they don't know what it means. It takes on three different meanings in Scripture when we read it and how it translates. And in our main text today, the sanctification that it is speaking of describes a process of making us holy. And in John 17, 17, it is clear that we are made holy by the word of God. So what I want you to do is I want you to look at God's word as the equivalent of soap. The soap that you use maybe in the shower. Who likes the the bar of soap that exfoliates? You guys seen that? You like the way it feels? I learned that if you go to Shields and, uh, and Bass Pro Shops, they've got that Duke Cannon soap, and there's like 500 different scents there. And all of it, all of it is designed to exfoliate. And what, 
what we need to do is we need to be like that soap. We need to look at the word of God like that soap that what it does is it cleanses us. It makes us new, right? I used to work at UPS. I was a loader, and it was evident that if I went to bed out of exhaustion from that twilight shift, that if I didn't shower before I went to bed, the bed sheets would reveal that I didn't shower the next morning. And next thing you know, wife was not happy. Same spiritually that if you read and apply God's word, it's going to cleanse you. It's going to wash you. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul, he's, he's teaching husbands to love their wives, but he gives a great lesson in sanctification in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So let's say, how did Christ love the church? Listen to this. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So what this teaches me, the more we open ourselves up to God's word, the more it washes over us, the more it cleanses us, the more it makes us holy, the more it presents us more Christ-like before God. And that is what brings him glory. Now, when you read it, I just talked about the spiritual application, but let's talk about when you read it, the practical. The truth is going to become more obvious to you. You're going to understand it more. It'll become more clear every day, and it teaches you to recognize the voice of God. And it's the word of God itself that will not only make us holy, but it becomes our defense against an enemy who is continuing to throw those darts at us, right? who's continuing to come against us on a daily basis. And then what we'll learn is the word of God itself can be used as a weapon against him. The word of God, it's, it's amazing because in Ephesians chapter 6, it is, described, it is described as a shield to protect us. But it also is described in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 as a weapon. Listen to this, it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You and I, we need to armor ourselves in the word of God. And when we begin to armor ourselves in the word of God, we'll find ourselves stepping into the truth and living according to the truth. Recognizing what is contrary to it starts here. It doesn't start with everybody else. Recognizing what is contrary to the truth of God starts with us. But don't think that you are just ready to go into the world without knowing the word of God and be fully secure. It doesn't work that way. It is so foolish to think that you can maintain any relationship with God without being rooted in the word of God first. 
And it is God's word that teaches us to recognize what is contrary to God and when it is of Satan. We'll know if he's trying to deceive us or persuade us. But you and I, we can't think that we are equipped to stand on our own without God's word. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I don't want to just be repetitive, but I want us to embrace the fact that God has revealed all that he needs to reveal in us through his word and through Christ Jesus. Some of you are looking for God to speak personally over you today without ever opening up a Bible. And I am telling you, God has already said everything he needs to say. Everything else is just gravy over the mashed potatoes since Thanksgiving. But if you look to the word of God as the source of life that will lead and guide you to all righteousness, if you look at it as the way that you can know who he is, then there's value there. We mentioned it last week. You don't, you don't just say, Pastor, I need to read the word of God, so I'm gonna go home and do that. And then you just start in the book of Genesis, page one. You need discipled in that too. But you do need to take what is contained in the word of God and know how to apply it to your heart. You need to know how to apply it to your life. And it starts, church, with us reaffirming a commitment to being completely rooted in God's word. And I believe that today, I know through everything I said, and I know there was a lot of teaching here, I know that God was speaking to you that's saying it's hard for you to distinguish the difference between a truth and a lie sometimes. God wants to lead you in that. But you also have to be committed to finding that and having that revealed in your life. Revealed by the words of others, make sure it lines up with the word of God and it can also be affirmed by his spirit. But the question is, are you open to that? Are you open to letting God work? Or have you shut the door? Have you said, no, no, no. I've been hurt too many times or I don't understand the truth or, or people in the church really hurt me. I've heard all of that. And I'm just going to remind you, none of those things speak of who God is. It speaks of who people are, and it speaks of what our world offers, but it doesn't speak of who God is. And so I want you to choose today. If you will just open yourself up to God, that he can reveal the truth to you, that it lines up with his word, it lines up with who he says he is. Commit to seeking that out in your life. What I want you to do is I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take a moment just between you and God. And you know how much you're seeking God and how much you're not. No one else can proclaim that over your life. You need to ask yourself how much of God you are giving of your time in your private walk 
Are you praying? Are you reading his word? Are you applying his truth? Are we treating him like the God of the universe? Are we treating him like the God who has secured eternity if we just believe in his son and walk in a daily relationship with him? Or are we playing both sides of the fence? Are we living a lot of our life according to the world's standard? Allowing ourselves to be swayed in things that are contrary to And so what we need to do is, if you say, Pastor, I need to dedicate myself to this. I need to dedicate myself to God, His Word. I need to seek that it guards me and protects me because I have been easily swayed. I've been easily manipulated. And you just need a private moment between you and God to dedicate yourself to Him. I encourage you to take the few, next few moments to pray, to seek Him but so that I know who I can agree with in prayer. I want you to just look at me to know that I'm speaking to your heart. Okay. What we need to do, we need to be challenged enough that we go home and we set some disciplines in our life to allow God to speak, to open up his word, to have a dedicated time to do that. To ask him, what does this mean? and open up our heart and allow him to speak back to us. And so what we need to do today, those who looked at me, I just ask that you kind of just lift your hands to heaven where you're sitting. Just take a moment between you and God. Lord, you see those who are raising their hands and God. Your spirit has revealed truth in us today, and that's why we're raising our hands. We've heard your word. Your spirit has revealed truth. And God, we surrender unto you this morning. And Lord, we have lived in a state of confusion because many of us have believed what the world has taught. And God, it stands contrary to you. And Satan knows how to manipulate that. He knows how to use that. That God, where, where your believers can be deceived, where this world can, can stand contrary to what you want from us, Lord. And God, I pray that you will open up our spiritual eyes, that we can discern the truth from a lie. That God, we can remain steadfast in your word. We can allow it to be that protection. And we know that it is our protection because God, we have read it, we have applied it, we have memorized it, we have studied it and we know your word, then God, I believe that as we've done all those things, what happens is, Lord, it makes us righteous in your eyes because we have pled it over our life. Both your written word and the physical manifestation of that in your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I want to thank you and praise you because Lord, it is your truth that sets us free. May we walk in that freedom. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say.